Hello everybody and welcome to Over the Rainbow, an LGBTQ plus podcast dedicated to queer education and queer representation. I'm your host, Rachel Keithley, and I use she, her pronouns. Today's guest is Aisha Shabu. Aisha uses she, her pronouns. She is the founder of Moonlight Experiences, a queer collective changing perception of LGBTQ plus culture through tourism, and is also the head of community engagement at UK Black Pride. In today's episode, Aisha and I talk about visibility, pride and representation for Black LGBTQ plus and QT pop folk. Within this topic, we challenge the lack of diversity and inclusion across all levels of society and the high levels of marginalisation and racism that still exist. We also talk in depth about equality for all members of the LGBTQ plus community and the importance of representative safe spaces for all identities to celebrate their queer culture. From there, Aisha shares all the incredible work she's part of to create these inclusive spaces and improve our activism and allyship for Black, queer and QT POC folk. If you want to get involved with any of these organisations and play an active role in furthering your own education, as well as improving diversity, equity and inclusion in your own spaces, then this episode is packed full of ways for you to do just that. Also, Aisha is currently crowdfunding to take Moonlight Experiences to other countries within Europe so that she can help offer LGBTQ plus folks safe, inclusive travel experiences whilst helping to sustain venues and amplify marginalised artists. So if you are able to, please do go support the fantastic work she is doing by following the link in the show notes. Right, let's get on with the show. Hey, hello, welcome to Over the Rainbow. Hi. How are you today? I'm good, Rachel. I'm good. How are you today? I am very good. Thank you. Um, If you'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners before we begin, so name, pronouns, a bit about what you do. Sure. Um, So my name is Aisha Scheibel. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I tend to say I'm a research scientist by day and then I do also have a gay job, which is everything to do with my business, my company, and also the various projects I'm involved with, such as UK Black Pride and the London Queer Fashion Show. So not too busy at all. (laughs) (laughs) Just here or there. I like to kind of um, be part of anything that is for our community. And um, we just need more kind of women in business as well, especially queer women, because there aren't enough services for us at all. I could not agree more. And I'm sure we'll be getting into that later on in today's episode. But to begin with, something I like to start by doing is sharing something we've done this week to engage in queer activism or queer education. So do you want to go first or shall I? Uh, Go on, you you take the lead. All right. So um, this week, well, I guess it's been happening over a couple of months, but there's um, within my PhD, I'm a member of the British Society of Criminology's Hate Crime Network because my PhD is on LGBTQ plus hate crime. Um, And they recently advertised for people to join their steering committee so just to help organize their events to help liaise with research etc and so I was successful I am now on their steering committee which is very exciting so within that I get to collaborate share my work hear about all the other work that's going on within uh, the hate crime field as it were in the UK Um, but we also get to organize events and do outreach in the communities which is something that I'm 
particularly keen on because I've always felt like academic research just stays in academic circles Mm, it's absolutely yeah it's why I started this podcast is to take what I know and reach the people on the ground who are actually affected by this day-to-day stuff so hopefully I can engage a bit more so that'll be exciting oh that's very very exciting congratulations on that thank you very much thank you so what about you? <laughs> oh, myself, where, where do I start? Um, so for me, the work I do at UK Black Pride doesn't stop. So as head of community engagement, there's always something going on, um, different things to do with partnerships, but of course, to engage variety of groups within our community. Um, and also, as yesterday was International Women's Day, um, it's just for me also, I find that this month I want to collaborate with as many women as possible, especially queer women. So I guess that's what I've been doing. Um, yeah, that's been a lot more for the community. I mean, that's pretty great. So <laughs> it's awesome. And yeah, I can't wait to hear about more about the work that you do within UK Black Pride and within your business. Um, And I guess that is the overarching theme of today's episode. We're going to be talking about visibility, pride and representation for black LGBTQ plus and queer trans and intersectional people of colour. And within that, we'll talk about sort of the lack of inclusivity and the levels of marginalisation and racism that still exist in society in 2021, which shouldn't be the case, obviously. And then we'll share all the work you do. Oh, brilliant. And also to add to that is all of that discrimination and racism that happens within our own LGBTQ community, uh, which is something I guess a lot of people don't know also exists. No, exactly. It's that double standards on marginalisation and identity, isn't it? It's like, oh, my my part of my identity is fine. My queerness is fine, but your race, that's not fine. That's exactly crazy. Honestly, if I could rip my hair out, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've come to the stage where sometimes, you know, when I think about it, I just immediately get tired. I'm like, oh, today it's not the day. You know, some days I can deal with it. Other days I can't. It just makes me so angry. (laughs) Honestly, well, it's every day, isn't it? And every day it's not like, oh, I can have the weekend off. Like, no, this Mm. you can't switch Mm. off from it, can you? It's there all the time. Absolutely. If it's not one thing, it's the other. It's about women and the lack of equality that we have. And when you just think about it all, the fact that we are constantly being pushed back when we need to progress forward. I'm optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got each other, if if not anything, you know, that's it. We just need to ignore that and just do our own things and come together as women to uplift each other. Exactly. Powerful message. Um, So to begin, I want to start with, I guess it's probably the biggest question, (laughs) is what barriers and challenges do queer, trans and intersectional people of colour and black LGBTQ plus folk face in society? Oh, that's a big question. I think we'll be here all day. Um, I think there are so many. I mean, I think it can be broken down to different themes, like when you start from education to jobs, Uh, And within that is family support as well. So there's so many parts of it. And I think all of these pillars, we are always, we are missing and we don't get the same opportunity. It's not a level playing field. You know, when I say family support, it's like that links into 
housing and owning your first home. You know, most of our families, you know, we don't have ties with our families. Um, also, they don't have the same income to support us, whether it's in business. You know, like for me, my business, um, I started on my own and my family couldn't help with that. In terms of funding, you know, 0.02% uh, of Black entrepreneurs don't actually get funding. We only have a 0.02% of it. So we don't actually stand the chance that most people that start businesses, they are able to get funding. They are able to get loans from their families and friends and stuff like that. But that's not the case for us. And the same with, you know, employment and education, all these things were always at the you know, at the back burner. And on top of that is also having our, you know, our race and religion added to it. Um, there's just so much that is constantly depriving us of, you know, the same equality and right that everybody has. Um, even though, you know, not everybody is on the same level, um, is something that we are always thinking about. And we always have to work harder, study harder, you know, because we know that we have to prove ourselves every single day, um, you know, for the same opportunities as our kind of white counterparts, so to speak. Yeah, and I think that that's something that it's just absolutely, it's, it's shocking, but it's not. Obviously, for you, it's it's not shocking. It's your lived experience, but for me as a white person who has occupied or continues to occupy a place, a place of privilege in society, it shocks me and sickens me that we're not talking about it in the circles where we should be talking about it. Like the fact that I have never had to think, oh, where is my next paycheck gonna come from? Are my parents able to support me? Am I going to be able to get that job? Or is my race or my skin color or my religion, et cetera, gonna hold me back? And it's like, no, it's, it's not, is it, if anything, I'm going to get a boost forward and when we are talking about a society that continually says oh we're all equal you know humans are humans and it's like well we're not so why 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 are we still saying that no absolutely and that goes into you know um crime as well and prejudice you know to do with the police you know granted our society is not the same as, as the us but those prejudices still exist you know um Black young men are likely to be stopped by the police, um, tend to have harsher punishments. All these things all add to it because, you know, when I was younger, I mean, I am in science, but I never had any role models. There was nobody who was, you know, Black or female that I could look up to. It was almost a, a weird feel to go into because I didn't see myself and all I saw was white older men. And for a long time, I mean, I've been in the industry for over eight years and I only met one other black woman over that time, you know, and, you know, I've worked for major companies and there's there's a lack of diversity and inclusion, even just women, let alone black women. You know, we we don't get as encouraged to go into STEM. Um, perhaps now, you know, it is changing, but not as much as it used to. I never learned about all the amazing scientists that existed around the world, scientists from Africa, from India. Where were they when we were growing up? You know, we didn't have all of these figures so that we can, um, you know, like be inspired by, not at all. You know, it's almost like we don't exist. And the same for queer people of color, you know, as I was growing up, 
I was able, as I was trying to figure out my sexuality, I could see that, yes, there are loads of white people that were queer, loads of men, a couple of women, but none that were POC or black, you know? And, you know, you grow up thinking that being black and queer is not something you're allowed to be, you know? And the same, my family are from Ghana and Nigeria. There are really backdated views over there. They think that, you know, being gay is a white thing, is a Western thing, you know, and up to now, even in Ghana, there are certain issues that are going on with, uh, you know, LGBTQ siblings, um, because the government is trying to stop their freedom and right, because they were trying to open a center for LGBTQ members, which was closed down very quickly. So there's so many things that are still happening within my background and where I come from, that over time, it just made you suppress who you were because it's not something you could be. And even as growing up, you know, I couldn't display any public affection with any of my partners because actually the worst critics came from other black people, you know, as opposed to other white ones, you know, who may think, oh yeah, okay, she's black and queer, but I, it was a lot more harsh coming from my own community. So it's just, there's always constantly a lot of things to deal with and to juggle with all at the same time when you're trying to be a teenager, when you're trying to, you know, so, you know, so many emotions, you know, you, we go through things as young adults and while studying, whilst being at university without all these other factors, almost like weighing you down. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting what you said about how layered identity is and how it intersects. I mean, you mentioned many things actually that sort of sparked interest in my mind, but what you said about like the countries that your family are from and it not being safe to be necessarily to be LGBTQ plus there. And then within the UK, yes, it's it's safer, but then there's a lack of visibility for the other parts of your identity and the importance of seeing yourself when you're trying to figure out who you are it's like I mean it's so important isn't it and if you can't see black queer people then of course as a young child you're going to think well I, I'm probably not supposed to be this way then am I? Yeah absolutely absolutely and we tend to come out longer you know than other people just for some of those reasons just because you doubt yourself and you want to please your family all these kind of variables that also come into play. Yeah and one of the other things you mentioned that was really interesting was about what you were saying about um, work and women and black people being represented within businesses. And I remember reading, I can't remember the source now, and it wasn't, it wasn't to do specifically with every single sort of intersection of marginalized identities, but it was saying that white men, if you ask them about their confidence in their ability to do a job, they will rate themselves as far higher than their actual ability, whereas women and other marginalised communities rate themselves lower, lower than they're actually able yeah. to do. And it's like... Yes, I remember this study as well. Yes, yes, yeah. I can't remember the source, but I do remember it. It's, and I think this all stems from the fact that we are not encouraged to um, to re to go for higher goals, you know. Whereas men, from a young age, you are the man. You should do this. You can do this. You should be the engineer. You should be the breadwinner. Women, we're not brought up that way. We're brought up already in a man's world, in a suppressed society where we are, you know, I guess second to them, so to speak. Um, and that's why. So it takes us a long time to build our own confidence, even though we can do the same things and 
actually sometimes do it better than men, we don't have that confidence and it's going to take a while to get away from that thinking. Yeah, 100%. And the thing that I hate that comes from that is, and it's not all men, but men saying, (laughs) oh, it's just, you know, you're just not as good as us at it. Like men are just better at sport. Men are just better at maths. Men are just better Mm. at this and that. It's like, well, no, you wouldn't be able to reach your full potential if you were constantly like beat down and told you can't do it, would you? Like, Absolutely. It's like the blame just gets put on the victim as it were I mean I don't want to label us as victims but Mm -hmm. it's 9am that's the word I'm going to use (laughs) (laughs) you know what Rachel let's do this I I don't blame you at all it's yeah it's the truth it's not an exaggeration it's just the reality of the world we find ourselves yeah and I mean within the UK specifically if we're talking about marginalized identities everywhere you look, the people in power, the people still occupying a place of privilege are old white men or the occasional token older white woman who's just as, in my opinion, backwards in her opinion sometimes. I mean, true, very yeah. true. I know there are people coming through in sort of the, the lower echelons of politics, but if we're looking high up at cabinet level, I can't see myself up there. No, absolutely, absolutely. And that's where it needs to change because, yes, you know, there is progress. We have great allies, white women, you name them. We have some good allies that are coming through, but this change needs to happen quicker. I don't want to wait, you know, a um, hundred years to see this change. This should be happening now and it should be happening within our lifetime. I mean, we've gone through this whole pandemic. Is it not time that we start making changes and looking at what we haven't been doing well and move into this new world with better perspectives with better way of treating others you know especially for me I just think charity begins at home we need to look at the UK what are we not doing right yes we do so much outside of the UK and which you know I'm proud of some of the things we do some of the things we don't do enough but also we need to do that within our own community within our own society because that is when we can you know showcase that we are progressing and we should be a model to the rest of the world you know yeah I couldn't agree more and like you said I think this past year has been the perfect time I mean it's it's already too late we should have well not too late but we should have started a long long time ago but when all the um like when George Floyd was murdered in the US and Breonna Taylor and we're hearing all these names and I was hearing in UK circles and again not everyone but people being like oh that's it that's a US problem it's it's the US that's racist it's the US where people are unsafe it's like no no and actually even it was it was this morning on um I mean, I can't can't believe I actually watched it, but Piers Morgan, is it Good Morning Britain? He does, yeah. So he had on uh, Meghan Markle's dad interviewing about the interview that Meghan and Harry gave last night with Oprah Oprah Winfrey. And, I mean, her dad had not watched it, for starters, you could tell. But he then literally said the words, the UK is not racist. And I was like... What? Who said that Piers... No, um, Meghan Markle's father. Oh, my God. I was like, what world are you living in? But he's not the only one. Yeah, yeah. And this is why we're sort of resting on our laurels over here a bit, I think, because people aren't taking it seriously that people such as yourself feel unsafe and feel Mm. unheard in society. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That You know what? I'm not surprised by that because people just want to see what makes them comfortable and anything else they kind of put on the back burner. If I don't see it, it's not real. You know, especially um, if you are away from marginalized community, if you're, you know, like a little bit up north, you know, when you're kind of a little bit secluded, you're in your own bubble. You know, I absolutely get it. But I think we need to get out of that. The fact that just because it's not happening to us doesn't mean that it isn't a reality. It's the fact that more people need to listen um, more than ever, understand and use their privilege to make things better, you know, because it's almost like if one woman is suppressed, we are all suppressed. You know, this is especially talking about women's equality. It's a fight that's still been going on, you know, since the beginning of time. Um, and we need to install that mentality of helping each other and everybody. Yeah, I could not agree more. It's not about equality in inverted commas for one group of people because that's not equality if others don't have it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is why I'm a bit like it gets really frustrating within the LGBTQ community, because, you know, when you look at it, you go, oh, in the UK, we do have equality. We have um, same sex marriage or adoption, all these things that are, you know, so needed and, you know, we have fought for. But at the same time, black and brown folks do not have the same equality. Yes, white gay men do. Women don't. You know, we have one lesbian bar in the UK, you know, sorry, in London, you know, in terms of spaces, we don't have spaces for us. You know, these are cis gay men spaces that, you know, they constantly run. There's so many things within our society where that equality is not there. Generally, we have our human rights here, but in terms of equality, we do not. You know, gay men have it all. We, we don't have the same things, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And why why do you think it is that there seems to be this misconception that there are spaces for all LGBTQ plus people when there's not? It's just because there are so many that are run and for men. So, for example, if you look at Soho, Soho is the epicenter of queer culture because, you know, back in the 18th century, the whole subculture that was created back then by gay men. Um, so when you look at it, when you look at London, for example, when you look at Manchester, all this major city, you're like, wow, there's so many gay bars. You go around, flags are all flying in the sky. So it looks like we have things. But yet nobody sees the, the back end of things, that these are not something that are um, owned by women or black women or black queer people at all. This is something that men control. Um, they tend to have more disposable income um, than women. Again, this is because of the inequality in pay where men are being paid more than women. So there's all these issues um, that create these inequality that makes people think, oh no, Gay people are all good, they're all fine. You know, when we support one LGBT company or charity, they are supporting the rest of our community, but that's not the case. Uh, you know, trans people get excluded from venues, black people get excluded from venues. We have issues with um, POC artists getting tokenized constantly um, in venues and events where you don't see that diversity. If they have one black artist, they can't have, for example, a South Asian um, artist. It's like, oh, there's too much. You only need one of everybody. Yeah, and that point in particular I see a lot is this 
tokenism, this, oh, look, we are being representative. Here's our uh, black representative. Here's our trans representative. It's like, that's it. You've just picked them because you want to say you're representative. Yeah, you're not actually thinking about the layers involved within this. Absolutely. It's very performative. It's very performative. And you can see that it isn't authentic. And that's not the way we make long lasting change. Yeah, exactly. And it's not the way that people will take seriously the issues that we have in society. And I think that's a reflection on the fact that people don't want to admit their part in being complicit in upholding this sort of white patriarchal structure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So from all that, because I mean, we could talk for (laughs) the rest of the year genuinely on all the issues, but I want to share some of the work you are doing and some of the work that is happening to create these inclusive spaces. So to start with, would you tell me a bit more about the work you do for UK Black Pride? Yeah, sure. Um, So for UK Black Pride, I'm head of community engagement. Um, And for us, really, we want to ensure diversity and inclusion, because for a lot of people who are QTPOC, who are Black or from a marginalised group, we don't see ourselves represented in mainstream prides. And that is the issue that, you know, we are often tokenised, we don't get Um, When things happen, we don't get included in the conversation. We are often an afterthought and, as I said, tokenized, so to speak. It's like, oh, let's just do this. And there is, you know, all prides around the UK um, do do this. You know, they don't engage with our communities, almost like a one-off, you know. Um, And at UK Black Pride, we're here to kind of change that. And, you know, it's been going around for 15 years. UK Black Pride has been around for a very long time. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't know the work that has been going on behind the scenes. Um, and, and that's what I do is, you know, we have an incredible team that I work with to ensure that um, our QTPOC community is represented in every level. Um, and they have a space that is run for them and by us as well, which is absolutely important. And I feel like so many people go, oh, why don't you just join the normal pride? Why do you need a separate pride? Well, it's because we don't feel included and people don't ask, why is it? What can we do? You know, they, they try to be performative. Oh, let's stick a black person in our image. That means we are inclusive. No, because we know full well, you're not doing the work at the back end. If you are doing the work, how many black people do you have in your organization at a higher level? You know, if that is the case, you should be representing us at all levels, not just on Pride Day or as a one-off, you know, performative act. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And you see it absolutely everywhere, don't you? Absolutely everywhere. Are there anything that we, the listeners, can do that goes beyond the performative Yeah, absolutely. I say, you know, depending on what you can do is, you know, of course, to be educated, but also to work hand in hand with organisations that are there to support um, the QTPOC community. I mean, as well for myself, running my own company, it is very difficult to gain support because people don't see it as something that it is for them. You know, and what I've been trying to do is change the perception of queer culture through tourism and nightlife, because I see there is a need to um, sustain our LGBTQ venues, but also the fact that there are so many um, queer travellers that exist around the world and they travel to the UK all the time. 
Um, and when I mean by travel, you don't have to just talk about people coming from abroad. It's people who don't live in um, bigger cities. For example, you coming into London, you are traveling. You know, your needs are not the same as a Londoner. Therefore, also is to make people aware that there's something you can do to sustain all these little communities wherever you go. Because the LGBTQ, I guess, pound is very strong. And yet our LGBT venues constantly close, especially those that are for women or that are not in commercial spaces like Soho. Um, and also the fact that we have the, the power to support marginalized artists, you know, to uplift them and to get them to be seen, especially if they're not a drag queen. You know, there's so many drag kings. It's like, if, you're, if you don't look like you should be a RuPaul, therefore nobody needs to hear from you. But we have so many incredible poets and musicians. You know, queer culture and art isn't just about being a drag queen, but this is the perception that is constantly being shown to us throughout the media, you know, and the lack of, you know, black and brown representation as well. And this is what I try to do to educate our own queer community about all this diversity that we have and how we can change it, but also to educate allies because a lot of allies do wanna learn, do wanna listen, and they are also invited to our community, to our spaces to learn and to learn the right way. Yeah, I love that. And I think that is such a powerful message, like the importance of intersectionality and within our communities and outside and just being aware that we are more than just like the gay white man we see or the drag queen we see on RuPaul's Drag Race like we have so much talent and just it's not even just the talent I mean we have so much talent but we have so much opportunity to create spaces for ourselves because mainstream society is not going to create them for us are they they're going to shut them down absolutely yeah, and you know, there's space for everybody. I mean, I'm not an advocate for saying do one thing or the other. It's the fact that you can do all the things you want and everybody in our community should be represented at all levels. It shouldn't just be one versus the other. It's, it should be that one and us as well. You know, it shouldn't always be a them and us constantly. You know, um, we are better than that. Yeah, 100%. So your business is called Moonlight Experiences. That's correct yes. isn't it yes. yes it's called moonlight experiences how um, long has it been going um it's been going for a couple of years now i mean granted 2020 was a write-off um but yeah i i started it because i didn't see myself in the travel industry this they want many services run by queer women and run by black women as well um in the uk i'm one of the very few women queer women in travel um, and, you know, I wanted that visibility so that other queer women and black folks can understand and enjoy all the services that we have here in the UK. Um, because also we tend to forget that not everybody is liberated, uh, comes from a liberated society. So, for example, when I have um, queer, queer people coming from um, Dubai, the Middle East or Taiwan or Asia, you know, it means so much more to them because they can't be themselves or they, can, they can't have the same freedom as we have here in the UK. And I think some of us do take it for granted, you know, to have all these spaces, to have these things that where we can go off and call our safe space, but not everybody has that. And ensuring that 
we look after each other, not just in the UK, but when we do have visitors, they, ex they experience the best things as well, because um, sometimes Soho isn't the best place. It really excludes not just women, but also other gay women, um, other gay men that don't fit the stereotype of what it means to be a gay man. If you're not tall with six packs, therefore you're not welcomed or you don't get the same um, attention or you know, and care that you deserve as well. So it's also breaking that um, stereotype and stigma of the fact that all gay men are the same and they all enjoy each other's company because we know that's not the case. Yeah, 100% we're all individuals, aren't we? And we all have multi-layered needs. Like you say, if you're not that stereotypical gay person or you're coming from a community outside of the UK where you can't even be yourself, you need safe spaces that reflect you, that are, that are trying to... that You need safe spaces that reflect you and allow you to explore your personal identity, not that pigeonhole you into, like... Absolutely, absolutely. And London, you know, for example, is very overwhelming. You know, there's so many things to do. You come over, you're like, oh, my God, where do I go? There's all these amazing clubs, nights. Where do I go? Oh, my God, it's Saturday night. And also the fact that I wanted to install confidence in LGBT members in traveling, because we do worry about our safety. You know, you can travel alone. More women are traveling alone more than ever. Therefore, you know, whilst we're independent and we want to do our own things, we can do that during the day, but at night is a little bit harder. Um, and this is where Moonlight Experiences come in because we are there, we'll be with you all night. We're gonna laugh, we're gonna drink, we're gonna tell stories about community, about all the history. And you get to enjoy the, all the shows, you get to meet the artists and you create like a long lasting network of people that you never knew, you know, ever before. And not just those from the UK, but those around the world. You know, since starting with my experiences, it's been a blessing because wherever I go, I know queer people, I know trans people in Dubai, I know people in New York, I know them everywhere. So when I go to these spaces, my experience is different. And it's interesting to think and know about different perspectives because sometimes we forget, you know, when you look at Spain, you go, oh yeah, then they eat you clearly the queer experience of those in Spain is the same as ours or in Greece is the same as ours but no for example in Greece queer people are not allowed to adopt you know there's so many different parts of our community that we don't get to know either and we don't support either and I think that's what we need to do more we need to support everybody within the LGBTQ community I think that's absolutely amazing and the way you're doing that through travel which is obviously such a everyone loves to travel it's such an important thing to see other places but you're going further than just like oh here's a here's a nice experience in a club in Soho you're saying like let's learn about each other let's let's build that community that transcends borders that transcends LGBTQ plus identity it transcends gender it transcends race and we all learn about each other so we can be better allies to each Absolutely. other. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And you know, I've had some incredible stories. I had this um, woman that came from India and she broke the experience by accident because she didn't read it properly. So she didn't know it was a queer experience. I was like, oh, damn it. Amazing. She, yeah, she was like, oh, I've never seen queer people before or men dressed up in women's. Like she was very like she's very traditional in her values and thoughts. And she was uncomfortable for a while. And I remember she told me she loved jazz. And we happened to be in an event where there was a jazz drag king. And I told her, hey, stay for a minute or two. If you don't like it, I'll make sure you get to the station, okay? She stayed and she ended up loving it. So by the time we were gonna go to the next bar, she was chatting to all the locals, she was chatting to the artists. And you can just see how her barriers were starting to crumble as the night went on. She was becoming so much more like comfortable. And she was like, Aisha, we're all the same. These are things that we take, we expect others to think and to do, but we don't realize the fact that um, it takes us to integrate, to also break that down. You're like, hey, go off, you're an ally, go off and read. But by actually joining us, you just, learn so much more and so much more quicker you know and I've had older people in their 70s who are married that come on the experience because they're like hey we want to live we want to learn different things we've done the same thing all our lives we want to we want to know of different cultures and it's been incredible and these older people hang out with us dance till 4 a.m I'm like tired I'm like um, I'm gonna go and they're like go on Aisha we'll be here dancing till 4 a.m I'm like what and this is what's so beautiful about sharing our nightlife and our community because that experience um, has lived and will live on for the rest of their lives you know and I and they still send me messages now you know oh my god Aisha I can't believe that night I tell everybody about it again the power of one night can really transform a person's life like it's not just about going out you know because at night you know our barriers does come down a little bit more and you can really change and help people understand our community which really it comes back to us being helped. You know, that's one ally that's gonna fight our corner. That's one more ally that understands us. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head for me, for how powerful like true activism can be. It is, it's not about giving somebody, like standing up in front of someone and giving them a lecture. They're not gonna listen. It's gonna go over their heads. And the next barrier from that is how, activism does make people uncomfortable in the sense that you have to break down all the systems that you've probably reinforced in your life so for example the fact that I I grew up in a very whitewashed middle class area so there's lots of things that I've taken for granted and I've had to reflect on and I've had to learn about actively participating and it does make you feel uncomfortable and a lot of the time people people try and like use that discomfort as a reason to not do it it's like no no that's yeah. the reason to do it to do but it absolutely this is why it's important but then when you're creating authentic community spaces such as in the nightlife um sort of arena where you can have these conversations you can learn you can challenge your beliefs and systems I think like you said it has a far far greater lasting impact to immerse yourself in other cultures in other identities than just reading a book that you can just put down and be like oh not for me 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I get it, you know, even in companies, you know, having diversity and inclusion training, all these things, I feel like they're also tick box exercises. For me, I see a true ally being part of the community and supporting us and being active, not just in one way, but truly supporting the community. And I feel this is one way of doing it because it really makes a change. So therefore you're more aware and more comfortable about who we are, you know, and you know, your barriers would have been kind of taken down. So you can be part of the community as well as an ally, because we need everybody to uplift our community. It can't just be queer women doing it. It can't just be gay men doing it. It's everybody within society because in an ideal world, we shouldn't have to be fighting for these things. We shouldn't have to be fighting for spaces, for our rights, for um, to be the same as everybody else. So we need to normalize being queer, normalize uh, being black and queer and all these different parts of you know our society and all these issues that we have yeah i couldn't agree more and like you pretty much said if you as an ally have been immersed in other people's stories you've spent time with them you've seen what other aspects of identity look like when you are going back to your own world and you are wanting to be an activist and an ally you have that knowledge to fight for the cause on their behalf because you've actually properly educated yourself Absolutely, absolutely. And you know where to direct the attention to as well, you know, because there are different parts of our community that has different needs. So at least now you can be a source to signpost. It's like, oh, okay, I don't know about this, but I think you should go and speak to this person. And also, you know, when we have opportunities and um, platforms, it's like, also, I find that gay people or gay men particularly take that platform and they don't invite anybody else. They don't include anybody else, even if the opportunity arises. You know, I've been on travel panels before. I've gone to exhibitions where they're talking about diversity and there wasn't a single black person on that panel. You know, they were all gay white men talking about diversity. And I'm like, well, when you were invited to be on that panel, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you say, hey, actually, I want to give my space to somebody else who is black or who is POC, who is queer or has other parts of experience? Or why don't you say, I don't want to do this unless your panel is diverse or representative? You know, we don't do that either. And this is, you know, we really need to start thinking because that's how we make changes to be also LGBTQ allies within our own community, to be champions of diversity. You also have to say something. You can't just take the opportunity and use your privilege and not make a, a change. Yeah, exactly. And I have to say that was something that was, I had my first steering committee meeting for the Hate Crime Network yesterday. And that was something that was that was raised we were saying we were obviously we're a body that looks after sort of we research all forms of hate crimes and that's all forms of identity and we were saying are we being truly representative of all minority communities here no we've got a lot of white queer people on this panel but we don't have any black queer folk we don't have any trans folk and credit to the hate crime network they they have they have been trying they haven't just been sat resting on their laurels saying oh no it's not our problem but it is about constantly thinking about that and and as a person who's managed to get that place of privilege saying 
okay, thank you for letting me in as a queer woman, but I am white. Can we also get someone else? Can we get someone who's not cisgender? Because I'm cisgender as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I mean, in terms of staring groups, I totally understand. And I know in research, you know, ethnic minorities are definitely underrepresented. I mean, we had the national survey and also with Stonewall, they did the LGBT um, people in Britain. Within that, you know, that kind of showcased how we are an afterthought or there isn't enough engagement within our community because that whole survey only had 6% of the people who were, you know, from acute, who are from the QT, um, QTPOC community. Like, how is that the case? How does that represent our LGBTQ um, community? You know, there isn't 6% of us, but yet in, in terms of that survey, that's all that was represented. And this comes from, again, stirring groups like the ones you are in that are being used, which are predominantly white. Yeah, and it's about now more than ever using those positions to think, well, why is it that we're not reaching those other people? And for me, it's because they're looking and they're seeing they can't see themselves. It's like, oh, well, that's just that's just white folk there. So that's nothing to do with me. They're not going to. Exactly. And it's like, well, there we go. There's our answer. If we diversify, then everyone will get involved, everyone will see themselves, everyone will know that this space or whatever other space we're talking about is for everyone. That is it, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so within that, do you have any resources? I mean, I know we've already mentioned some, but I love all the resources. Can you oh. mention some more resources for people to be allies to black, queer, QTPOC folk? Yeah, and I mean, there are quite a few, but I would say UK Black Pride is a really good hub for learning about all the, all the different parts of our community because, you know, it is Europe's largest celebration of anybody who's African, Latin, Middle Eastern, Asian. So everybody that doesn't fit into that kind of white mainstream, you will be able to find within UK Black Pride, whether it's religion or talking about migrants or asylum seekers, you know, I really encourage everybody to go through UK Black Pride for that. Yeah, amazing. Any other resources, anything, any books we should be reading, any content we should be? Oh my God, there's so I many. Mean, there's so many, but <laughs> anything you're like, this one, read now or watch now. <laughs> I mean, I think also, um, Perhaps, I mean, I love nightlife, so I would encourage anybody to also watch Pose. Um, you know, I, I'm sure a couple of people have, but it's to watch Pose so that we can also um, understand about some of the struggles that QTPOC members have been through. And this also touches upon um, things like homelessness. There's so many different aspects that it raises. And it's also, for me, showcased the fact that you know, black bodies, we tend to use them for art and we never give them credit for it. And I think when you think about Vogue, you see that, you know, Madonna, there's so many people that want to use the Voguing community to advance their brand, to do different things, but yet they don't support it. Um, and this is why, you know, I particularly enjoy um, Pose because you really see it and it makes you think and reflect hey, this community is here, we enjoy it, we love it, but yet we don't support it. And it is on the ground for a reason. Um, and it's because we don't want it to constantly be hijacked. Yeah, 100%. And I think that what you just said 
it's so important about the fact that these these forms of media, these forms of art, these forms of entertainment are therefore us allies to access as well because we need to learn, we need to be representative. We can't just, like you say, take voguing and claim it as our own and say, oh yeah, this works for us, but we're not going to give credit to the people who actually deserve the credit and we're only going to access sort of the white version or the straight man's version of an LGBTQ plus film. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Like you see it everywhere, people utilizing minority communities to be like, oh, look at us being visible and look at us creating an important <laughs> message. And then you look a little bit underneath and you're like, and you're like, where's the representation? Where's the work? And where's yeah. the support? It's not there. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for this day. I really appreciate you sitting down and I feel like for a, for a Tuesday morning, we've covered a lot. <laughs> Thank yes oh much. my god we have we have it doesn't feel like early in the morning actually it feels like one o'clock in the afternoon i know honestly i'm raring to go <laughs> you're not going to be able to switch off now all day you'll be like i want more discussions yeah literally <laughs> megaphone like someone come talk to me <laughs> yeah thank you very much and thank you for all the work you're doing and for sharing it with us today i really really appreciate that no problem thank you so much and i also want to say i'm currently running a crowdfund for my company so if anybody is listening and would like to donate and help please do so because um, I'm trying to scale Moonlight experiences so that the services that I've been providing in the UK can be available around the UK and abroad so um, currently we're working on having um, services in Paris, Barcelona, Lisbon and Amsterdam and hopefully also globally so wherever we are as queer members there's somebody out there to look after us to teach us about their history and at the same time empower their community because what you will be doing is supporting their LGBTQ venues and supporting their queer artists so yeah donate if you can. Absolutely we'll make sure to put the uh, crowdfund link on the show notes and I will share it across my social media as well. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. New episodes are available every Wednesday, so please do download, share, and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. If you have any questions or feedback, please contact the podcast on social media. We are on Instagram at at underscore over the rainbow podcast, Twitter at over rainbow pod, and Facebook at over the rainbow podcast 13. Have a queer week and I'll see you next Wednesday.